I'm Melanie Peters for N Equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. And I'm Heather Bushman. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, or one scientist. Today on N Equals One, we're talking about electronic or e-cigarettes. Yeah, that's because if you're like me, you've been seeing these funny looking devices more and more and thinking, what the heck is that? Or maybe you or a loved one has vaped, as they say, an e-cigarette or considered doing so and wondered about the health effects. Okay, yeah, I see e-cigarettes everywhere, which is odd because you're so used to not seeing anyone smoking in public, especially in California. Oh yeah, true. But I have several friends who are using e-cigarettes as a means to quit smoking regular cigarettes, but I've heard that that might not work. In any case, they've become very controversial with lots of discussion about whether they're bad, good, or even better than traditional tobacco products. Yeah, that's why in this episode, we're gonna take a closer look at e-cigarettes, what they are and what the science says so far about vaping and its effects on the human body. So to do that, I talked to an expert here. I am Laura Crotty Alexander. I'm assistant professor of medicine at UCSD and staff physician at the VA San Diego Healthcare System. I'm a pulmonary critical care physician, uh, but I do the majority of my work in research. And recently, over the last four years, I've been focused on the effects of electronic cigarettes. My first question is, how are e-cigarettes different than traditional cigarettes and other tobacco products? Well, it turns out, as I learned, both are ways to deliver nicotine to get that addictive substance into your body. Okay. But they do it in different ways. So here's how Laura explains it. So traditional tobacco products consist of burning tobacco leaves. And so that's the larger definition. So cigarettes, cigars, even hookah pipes, shisha, they all involve taking dried tobacco leaves and burning them and you inhale the smoke. Um, Electronic cigarettes do not involve any burning of tobacco leaves. It is uh, electronic liquids, which are called e-liquids for short. And these liquids are composed of propylene glycol and vegetable glycerin. I always joke that I think they put the vegetable glycerin in because it sounds green. It sounds (laughs) like it comes from a plant. It does. Um, but it's actually propylene glycol with an extra hydroxyl group, so it's very chemically similar to propylene glycol, which is used to defrost airplanes and all that kind of good stuff. So electronic cigarettes use these e-liquids, and the e-liquids are able to um, get nicotine into solution. So nicotine doesn't dissolve in water, So one of the common misconceptions is that uh, these e-cigarettes are producing water vapor and that the nicotine is just in water and so it's very safe. But what they're really doing is they're heating and then vaporizing these e-liquids that have the nicotine in them. So that's the main difference. So electronic cigarette uses a battery to heat up this liquid and then pulls it through this atomizer to create an aerosol people breathe in. Conventional tobacco, tobacco leaves are burned and you breathe in the smoke. Tobacco smoke has over 4,000 different chemicals, including tar, which is horrible, and nicotine. And then the electronic uh, cigarette vapors tend to be closer to 20 
to 40 chemicals that you're inhaling. Well, both sound pretty gross, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. So why do some people say e-cigarettes may be better for you than traditional cigarettes? Is it just that there are fewer chemicals? Not that 40 chemicals sounds like anything I want to put in my body. <laughs> yes, Laura says that's part of it, but there are also a few misconceptions. Um, so one of them is sort of that idea that it could just be water vapor. So nicotine and water vapor. So some people think that it's a cleaner way to inhale nicotine. So if you're going to inhale nicotine, you should do it in a way that is uh, safest for you, healthiest for you. And people think that it's water vapor. And so what could be wrong with inhaling water vapor? So that's one of the reasons that people view it as safer. Another one is just the balancing act of 4,000 chemicals, including tar versus 40. They're like, well, the 40's gotta be better than the 4,000. <laughs> so that's another reason uh, why. Uh, and then the third one would be that um, people are desperate to stop smoking. And a lot of people out there have tried everything that they can and failed. And so another reason a lot of people are using them or trying to switch to them is that they believe that they are gonna help them quit smoking. But unfortunately, um, the best data that we have so far looks like the electronic cigarette use leads to the opposite effect. Mm. So instead of helping people quit, it decreases the likelihood that you're gonna successfully quit. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what we think is happening is it's reinforcing nicotine addiction. Yeah. So it's still there. It's still there. And the nicotine um, addiction, you know, it's like the number two addiction in the world in terms of trying to quit. And since the e-cigarettes are so easy to use, uh, you can carry it in your pocket and pull it out and just take one puff whenever you want. Um, people tend to use a lot more nicotine over the course of the day mm. compared to with cigarette smoking. Oh. They have to go find a place to smoke yeah. in America away from yeah. all other humans and it can be... Yeah, so you might not even smoking. realize you're getting so much of it if you can just do a little puff here and there. Mm -hmm. mm. All right, so the so-called benefits of e-cigs may not quite be all that, but what exactly is e-cig vapor doing to your body? Well, first off, you're still breathing in chemicals okay. and there's no way that can be good. Here's Laura again. And I think that's probably why I feel passionately about it is that I love the lungs as a <laughs> lung doctor and I see them as these beautiful organs that are trying to weed out all the bad stuff that we inhale and you know feed our body with oxygen and they're doing such a tough job and they have to last so long you know 80 90 100 years that intentionally inhaling anything uh, is bad so that's sort of why i feel passionately about it all right so when it comes to regular cigarettes we hear a lot about the dangers of secondhand smoke mm. especially for kids do e-cigarettes pose the same risks for sure, and in fact, those misconceptions that e-cigarettes might be less harmful is actually making the danger to kids even worse. One of the big things we worry about is neural development. So for children, all the way up to age 21, and sometimes even further, their brains are developing. And it is well known that nicotine alters brain development. 
Um, so I tend to be particularly expressive when I'm talking about e-cigarettes and any kind of nicotine um, delivery. Uh, if I'm talking to parents yeah. who are going to be using these devices around their kids, and that's one of the huge trends that we've seen is that parents used to go outside to smoke and wouldn't smoke in the car with their kids, but because they view the electronic cigarettes as so much safer, they're actually just sitting on their couches while watching TV, vaping. Oh, wow. And um, the vapor is actually pretty heavy and it sinks down. And so kids and infants tend to be at a lower level, so they're picking up these um, vapors and it actually lays down a slick because it's kind of oily Ooh. stuff. Uh -huh. So, um, and the liquid that it's in uh, easily helps nicotine go across your skin. And so if the kids come across the third hand vapor is what it's called, so they just touch it, the nicotine will go in and will alter their um, brain development. So how do Laura and other researchers study e-cigs in the lab? Well, when Laura and her team were first getting going on this research topic, they realized they first needed to understand how people in the real world are using e-cigarettes so they could mimic those exact conditions in the lab. So when we started, we went out and bought a bunch of e-cigarettes. <laughs> that must be interesting. I picture you, some grad students, maybe some undergrads <laughs> running out and sort of awkwardly buying these things they wouldn't normally buy. I, I bought the first one because I felt like I needed to be the <laughs> initializer. It felt weird because um, when you buy these devices, you're pretty much giving money to yeah. Big tobacco, yeah, because the three big tobacco companies own over fifty percent of the companies now. Um, but yes, I was the one who initially <laughs> went out to a gas station and I asked the woman behind the desk, "I need an e-cigarette. Can you help me?" And she knew so much about them. She gave me <laughs> oh a five-minute mini lecture training session about what equipment I would need and what the different things were, and so it was uh, interesting. And then over the course of that first year, um, myself and my team, lab techs, undergrads, um, fellows, uh, we would go on the blogs and read um, what the e-cigarette users uh, were doing, what their oh, use wow. patterns were, what types of liquids they were using, how they were using them. So we learned a lot about the e-cigarette community. Oh, yeah. It's almost like you're doing this molecular cellular research in the lab, but it's also almost like a ethnographic study, an anthropology study of these, this new community of people yes. and their behaviors. <laughs> yes, and we probably did more of that than we needed to just because it's so fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> See what type of person is using it, how passionate they get about these devices. Um, but the reason we did that was we wanted to know how to design our exposures in the lab because we wanted to base it on real life use yeah. type patterns. So once we had done that, we um, made fresh e-cigarette vapor in the lab and exposed cells to it, um, mouse cells, human cells, bacterial cells. And what happened to the cells when exposed to e-cigarette vapor? There are a million different things that Laura and other researchers can look at, but here are a few things that have emerged so far. And a couple of the big signals we found was that the e-cigarette vapor did cause DNA damage in the form of double-stranded DNA breaks, mm. which is dangerous, it's one of the pathways to cancer. Um, but when we compared it side by side with cigarette smoke, it was much lower than mm -hmm. what happens with cigarette smoke. 
And so that paper came out last year and it was just, we thought it was important because it shows they're not benign right. in a dish, um, but in a dish at least they look less bad than <laughs> cigarette smoke, yeah. so something good out of that. And then uh, when we looked at bacteria and uh, mammalian cells and other ways, we saw that the e-cigarette vapor did change their ability to kill bacterial pathogens. So the e-cigarette vapor decreased um, their antimicrobial function and helped the bacteria become more aggressive so mm. that they could cause more disease. Again, it looks like these signals are less so than what you would see with cigarette smoke, but those were sort of our primary results. Right. But those were all done in a dish. Mm -hmm. So we then wanted to do a mammalian model that was more physiologic. <laughs> ah, wait, please tell me they have vaping mice. They do. <laughs> we have mice that vape e-cigarettes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so oh. we have a couple different strains of mice and they get to uh, inhale e-cigarette vapor for an hour a day. And we've exposed them for one month, three months, six months. They get the weekends off. <laughs> uh, and we've been studying the effects of this chronic exposure to all different parts of the body. So we've been studying the brain and seeing that it does activate the nicotine addiction pathways. We've studied the lungs and showed that it does change airway um, responsiveness, so it can make people wheezy, um, more asthmatic. And we've studied heart function, kidney function, um, and lung function to look to see what the e-cigarettes might be doing. And it's not doing anything good. Yeah. <laughs> So first they looked at cells, then mice, now Laura and team are beginning human studies. In fact, they just started enrolling e-cigarette users, traditional cigarette smokers, and non-smokers to be part of the study. Wow, human studies already. What types of things will they look for? Some of the same things that they measured in mice, such as heart and kidney function, Yep, and because we're uh, lung doctors, we're looking at lung function. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, we love immunology and bacterial pathogenesis, we're actually going to be looking at their bacteria that they're colonized with, mm. um, since that can change all human health, mm -hmm. as yeah. you well know. Uh, and specifically looking to see if it changes Staph aureus colonization rates and how virulent those bacteria are. Um, but also just looking for evidence of inflammation. So I'm a big believer that chronic inflammation over time leads to all kinds of diseases. We've had that proven to us over and over again. So we're looking for inflammation in the bloodstream, so systemic inflammation. We're looking for inflammation in the airways um, and even inflammation in the mouth. So we are asking these people to uh, give us lots of different samples yeah. uh, so that we can try and get a yeah. more defined picture. And the microbiome um, consortium here has been kind enough to give us a pilot award. So they're going to oh, help wow. out by That's trying fantastic. to map the mm -hmm. microbiome to mm -hmm. see if it's shifting uh, yeah. due to the e-cigarette use. All right, so what's the bottom line? E-cigarettes don't exactly sound good for you, but as I mentioned before, I have friends who swear e-cigs are helping them to quit smoking altogether, 
which seems the better goal. So <laughs> what does Laura recommend? Well, first she says, if you don't smoke now, you definitely shouldn't start using e-cigarettes. But if you smoke, it is potentially less dangerous to vape an e-cigarette compared to smoking a cigarette, but we really don't know. So um, it, I find it very hard to advise people on this, and we definitely see the hardest cases in our clinics where these are people who are already sick, like we desperately need them to quit smoking. Um, and I do see myself leaning towards saying, you might as well try it because maybe 40 chemicals is better than 4,000 and maybe it would be safer for a heavy smoker to completely switch to e-cigarettes if possible. The logical side of me sees the data so far and it's like, well, it's unlikely to help them quit. But we've all heard stories of yeah, people the anecdotes, being able, yes, right? yeah. the anecdotes, mm -hmm. that there are people out there yeah. who it worked for them and they're able to switch. So I really struggle with like a conclusion statement to wrap it all up, um, but they are going to cause disease in the end. We just don't know which diseases. It looks like um, they are going to cause a completely different set of diseases as compared to cigarette smoke, um, which I think makes it a bit more dangerous because it's easier for us to look for the signals that are exactly like what the cigarette smoke signals will be. Um, so we're desperately trying to get this mouse work done so that we can have a better idea of what danger signals to look for in human users. What about e-cig uses beyond nicotine? I've heard that they can be used to inhale other drugs too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was totally shocked to hear about that. Maybe I'm naive, but I hadn't even <laughs> thought of it. Um, but other drug use in the e-cig paraphernalia is definitely something that you know, policymakers and law enforcement officials need to consider, as well as the average partygoer. There are more and more cases of people who are handed an e-cigarette at a party and they vape it, thinking that it's just nicotine just nicotine, right. and then it ends up being cocaine or meth. Oh my gosh. Um, so just want people to know that don't use an e-cigarette that somebody has just yeah. handed to you because it really can have huh. anything in it. Um, now that THC uh, marijuana has been approved mm -hmm. here in California, uh, it does dissolve very readily mm. into the propylene glycol, so people will be vaping it more and oh, more. Oh, interesting. They'll get their recipes from Colorado where they've been doing it for <laughs> yeah. years already. What else should people keep in mind if they choose to vape? Laura had three final things to say, things that she hopes e-cigarette users will keep in mind to help make their habit a little bit safer. One, avoid flavors. Two, watch your wattage. And three, keep those e-liquids away from children. So here she is on those. First, with the flavors. We primarily studied just the straight up chemicals that are in 99% of the liquids, so the propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin, nicotine. Um, but a majority of people add flavors right. to their e-cigarettes, mm -hmm. and there are specific chemicals associated with quite a few of those flavors that we already know cause lung disease, mm. uh, bronchiolitis obliterans. And so 
just want that warning out there that if you can mm. avoid um, those specific flavors, that's going to be in your best interest. Now for Laura's warning on the wattage of your e-cigarette and, and what that means. The modern e-cigarette came out in 2003. And so it is a very new device, and pretty much every two years they have changed significantly enough to be cause, called a different generation. Mm. So we're on our like fifth generation devices at least. The early generation devices use lower voltage batteries and higher resistance tanks, so that the total wattage of power applied to the e-liquid was less than 20 watts. Um, but now with these higher more modern generation devices, they have much higher voltage with a lower resistance, and so they've really cranked up the wattage that's applied to the liquid. And the reason that this uh, is worrisome is that in two different labs so far, when they applied the higher wattage to the e-liquid, they produced extremely high levels of formaldehyde. Mm. So we know that that's bad to yeah. inhale. Um, so I would particularly want e-cigarette users to be aware of their voltages and their resistances and be aiming to try and keep the lowest wattage possible in their system. Oh, wow. And finally, here's how e-liquids can be deadly for kids. Several people have died from ingesting the e-cigarette liquid Ugh. and um, thousands of kids have accidentally drank it because the little bottles have pictures of bubble gum and cookies. Oh, wow. Because all those different flavors, cotton yeah. candy, M&Ms, uh, um, sugary cereal, and most of the e-liquids don't have childproof caps. Oh. So for any parents or people out there who have kids around, you know, they really need to treat those um, as toxic chemicals and keep them locked up uh, away from children because it only takes um, about one milliliter to kill a child oh. um, at the, the levels of nicotine that um, they sell them at. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Scary stuff. <laughs> Definitely scary. And that's it for this episode. I don't know about all of you listening at home, but I have a lot to think about and to tell my friends. For sure. For N equals one, I'm Melanie. And I'm Heather. Thanks for joining us.